Welcome to the Data Able Podcast, where Dave Mathias and Matt Jesser dive into data. Each week, they cover the culture, knowledge, and practices that successful organizations, leaders, and individuals use to get value out of data. Dave, welcome to a special edition of the Data Able Podcast. Uh, we're taping live uh, from the Science Museum of Minnesota in beautiful uh, downtown St. Paul here. Uh, we have a wonderful audience with us today. Uh, these folks come from uh, the Mini Frama event uh, hosted by a wonderful organization here in the Twin Cities, Mini Analytics. Uh, we have two fantastic guest speakers with us. We're going to hear from them in just a minute. Um, they're going to be sharing some stories from the data trenches. Uh, what this means is really uh, sharing some big analytics projects uh, that have been delivered uh, within their organizations. And we're just going to dissect like what went right, what went wrong, um, what could have gone different, and what the result was uh, of that awesome analytics project uh, that they ran. So I'm going to start uh, with Tessa Enns. Tessa is a truck logistics analyst at Cargill. Uh, outside of work, she takes uh, an advanced business analytics, uh, analytics course from uh, Udacity. She co-leads the Alteryx user group meeting uh, in the Twin Cities. And she also creates a photographic blog with her six-year-old daughter to inspire single mothers and parents alike to continue chasing their dreams. Welcome, Tessa. Uh, we also have Liz Weber. Uh, Liz is an, in, uh, an insights and change leader with 15 years of experience driving business turnaround and growth initiatives in the retail, wholesale, and professional services industries. Uh, she enjoys venturing into new experiences, learning business dynamics, developing strategies for improvement, and influencing partners to align on strategy uh, and priorities in order to grow the business. Her approach to learning and influencing is rooted in data, analytic insights, and storytelling. Welcome, Liz. So it's great to have you both here, Tess and Liz. And so we're gonna just be going through a few of these questions. Maybe even an audience member at some point might shout out a question, uh, you know, if we have some time at the end. So. Uh, Matt, what's the first question you have here for uh, for Tessa or Liz today? Yeah, so who's on spot first? We're gonna start with Tessa. So okay. get us off the ground. So Tessa, talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the analytics project that uh, that you want to talk to us about today. Sure. So I have an, an analytics project that I've been working on and wrapping up to completion now. The way it was originally presented to me was like this: I have a bunch of data. Find me an insight. What do I do with it? Translate this data into monetary terms, and is there anything to even get out of it? And at this time, I did not have any technical skills at all when it came to data. So what I told, what I ended up telling my lead was, yeah, I'll find an insight for you, and anything I don't know, I'll learn it, or I'll find a resource, and I'll teach it to myself. So I'm gonna deliver something. <laughs> and in itself, what ended up happening was we have dashboard metrics now, um, a lot of them, and it's a plan versus actual dashboard metric reporting. It's automated. Um, it takes 12 seconds to run this completely messy data set and get some insights that we can do actionable um, projects with or deliverables with. And the idea itself is not revolutionary. Every, a lot of businesses have plan versus actual dashboards. Um, even the arithmetic is not super advanced. There's no algorithms that are way over my head or anyone's head, and there's certainly no predictive models going into the, these dashboards. 
But what made, what made it such a game changer on my team was that this data was originally outcasted as unusable. It was just thrown away, nobody wanted to touch it. Everyone was doing things mostly off of, okay, I think this is going well. We're having a lot of conversations, so we think it's going well, but the, the data and the numbers weren't there, and it really wasn't believed that we could get something out of um, these data dumps, as we call them. So that's really what, what I was able to do with um, the data journey that I've been on. It's been a lot of fun, and now, every single month, we're getting these reports, and we're doing stuff to the bottom line with it. Wow. So tell us a little bit about the data that, uh, as much as you can, obviously can't share too much, but what kind of data are you working with? So it is coming from a legacy system and it, it gets output on Excel and every month there are thousands, I mean you could up to 10,000 rows of data, um, 30 plus columns and it's very abstract when you look at it. When I first started working with it, I had no idea what, what any of it meant. The column names were all like in tongue, like they didn't make sense. So I, I sat down and I, I wrote it all out and I, I actually had multiple conversations with the data stewards to figure out exactly what this is telling me and translate this to layman's terms so that I can deliver some type of insights with it. But there is missing, missing data. Um, there's spelling errors, there's keystroke errors. I mean, people are entering it on the other side, and so one city will be spelled this way, and then it will be spelled another way, but it's still, it's still the same location at the end of the day. Messy data. <laughs> Messy data. So how, how did you work together to, with the, the business side? So they threw that over the wall. How has that relationship changed now since you've been able to get some insights out of it? How has that evolved um, over that time? Are you able to partner better together? And, and if so, like, how, how was that? Yeah, I would say our conversations are a lot more um, direct now. They're a lot more focused. So when we, we meet together monthly with my team and the stakeholders of the, the dashboards as well to talk about what can we do with this information. But we know where to start. So rather than starting from a cloud, like what should we do, we're saying this is the rock. This is the rock that's been turned over. This one has, this is the biggest rock that has is having the most impact, how do we solve this one first? And then we'll go on to the next problems. So we've been able to focus, a lot more focus, on these are the big hitters, these are the big issues, let's do this right now, and then once we solve this, let's get back to these other smaller issues, which maybe originally were being over amplified as the, the bigger problems to solve in the moment. Excellent. And you'd even, uh, I think when we first met, you you were, you sort of almost like changed path a little bit as, as in the last year, because you came out of school relatively new, right? About a year, year and a half ago, you came out of school, and you sort of changed path where you really just like, you know, took the, based on this project, you've almost sort of changed your career a little, right? Yeah, completely. Um, I did graduate not too long ago from the University of Minnesota Business School with a supply chain and operations degree. So not too far off to get into data because it's a heavy background in statistics, but as I got into my career and I realized that we need numbers to make decisions, but the numbers are hidden in the data. So really we need data skills to get to the numbers to make decisions. And so that's when I realized I want to learn more about data because it's everywhere. And to be a good problem solver, I think it's really starting to demand 
those skills and I didn't want to rely on other people. I'm impatient, so I, I just started teaching it to myself and taking classes to supplement um, the, the learning as well. So Tessa, you mentioned um, messy data, dirty data. I think we can all relate to that if you've been in any sort of analytics role at some point in your career. Um, how did you go about solving some of that? Well, I did reach out to resources. That was my first step. I knew I didn't possess the skills, but I knew there are people out there who do. And hopefully there are some good ones out there who are willing to give their time to spread their teachings and create a ripple effect. And thankfully, uh, the organization I'm working at, Cargill, has a really great culture. Um, we have a team, a self-service analytics team, who their whole initiative is to empower business business professionals in Cargill to be their own teachers, to get their own insights out of data. And so I, I linked up with this team and they were able to connect me with the right resources, the right softwares, the right online trainings and teachings and seminars and conferences to go to. So I, so with that, plus my, the discipline to go home and really hammer it out and think about it and work on it, I was able to keep advancing my technical skills. And so, Tessa, what was uh, one of like your first breakthroughs? Um, as you were starting to get associated with that data, it sounded like you just kind of dug in, started mapping out the columns. Um, what was your first big breakthrough? My first breakthrough was learning the Alteryx software, to be, to be honest. I don't know if anyone in here uses Alteryx. Okay, we have a couple. <laughs> and so at first I was doing this all in Excel, and Excel is very slow, and it would be like buffering for minutes and minutes. And, and then I got connected with somebody um, who ended up being a great mentor, and still is a mentor in my life, who was teaching me the Alteryx software. And it went from me taking minutes of frustration, like 10 minutes trying to get all this data to process, to seconds of configuring tools into a software. So that really amplified and sped up the progress with getting this data ready to use. What was uh, one of the first insights that came out of uh, that analysis? You know, you're going through, you're looking at your columns, you've got your data somewhat cleaned up, cities are relatively similar now. Um, what were some of the big insights or aha moments that came out of your analysis that maybe they weren't expecting? I think one, one of the big ones was we had expected that our plan was capturing more of the actual live what was going on than it really was. So one of the big insights was actually the data that was not joining together that didn't have a plan to follow but was just in rogue out there being executed on. So what I'm speaking in, in trucking terms, so we're talking about trucks that are going from A to B, we we're supposed to have a plan for all these routes. Well, we were finding a lot more routes that didn't have a plan and didn't have a contracted truck carrier than we originally thought. So this opportunity that was out there for us to work with more carriers and contract more of these routes was something that we didn't expect to have so much savings and opportunity in. So you know, so you're going through your, uh, you're finding some insights in your data, um, but they're living in your brain and on your desktop. So how did you take those insights that you're finding and turn them into insights for the organization, for your leaders? Translated it into money. <laughs> <laughs> the language of yeah. business, right? <laughs> yeah. So anything, any percentage that I found. 
found, any trend that I found, I just brought it, brought it right into money terms. This is the money. This is, this is the opportunity. And if I can't put it into those terminologies, my, my leaders don't even care. <laughs> so how are your leaders accepting this new information that you're sharing with them? They, they love it, and it's actually changing a lot of our interdynamics of our team as well, where we are, we are selling some of our services as we're going to not only contract good carriers and get good rates, because we're, we're a service to other businesses within Cargill. So we have other businesses work with us to do their transportation and logistics, and um, we're not just saying we're going to work really well with your truck carriers and get those good rates secured for you, but now we're also saying we provide analytic services to you and insights to you, and it's becoming a huge part of the momentum of our team. So, so you're actually adding value back to other parts of the business as a result of this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No more cost in our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you talk about translating things into money. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what that looks like? Um, any big changes or, or savings that you realized through this process? Yeah, um, I, so one of the things I like to do when I show my, my visualizations after I've done all of the data work is right on the top banner of everything I do, I put the savings or I put the cost in very big bold like this is this is a number we need to care about so it's, your eyes are drawn to that immediately and um, some of the savings that we're finding I probably can't say exactly but <laughs> thousands and thousands of opportunities for savings every month as a result of these these numbers and it drives action immediately. So my coworker immediately will look at these dashboards and start getting on the phones, start um, adding value by negotiations immediately. So on a monthly basis, it's just thousands of dollars of savings. So how much do you think your your uh, partners in the other business lines and how much are they, um, you know, not just relying on you to do it, but how much are they taking up themselves then to sort of dive into it and, and almost be, you know, hand in hand as, as they're going along? Yeah, my coworker um, who does a lot of the action driven from my data reporting, we we go in conference rooms and we we go through this process. Um, it's like a science now every month, and he he gets right into the data with me. If there are errors, I I walk him through the process, and now he knows it really well. So if there's a spelling error or if there's something that's not catching, he can tell me right away, and it, it's great because he's ingrained with those numbers just as much as I am, even though I'm configuring the technical aspect of it. Um, also, a way to get my team involved is I. I spend a lot of time answering questions about anything. I have a data dictionary. We go through those terms. I, I really think it's important to never underestimate the power of clarification. So the more I hear people talk about, what is this number telling me? Or what is the equation behind this? Or that's time wasted where we can be talking about ideas. How are we going to solve this problem? What are we going to do about this? So I try to eliminate as much of that clarification as soon as possible. Everyone, but we know exactly what's going on. We're all on the same page. Not hiding anything here. Fully transparent. If you don't like it, let's talk about what we can do to make it better. Um, and let's now let's problem solve. That's where the real fun is at. Yeah. So in a way, you're you're leading with the business and their needs rather than leading with data. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good insight. Um, so my final question to you, Tessa, um, is where are you going next? You know, you, you've delivered some amazing things clearly. Um, what's the next step for this team for, um, for what you can provide to your business partners? My next steps that I'm working on now is kind of wrapping up these automated processes to a more interactive type of macro or application for my teammates so that it can become more self-service than it is. Right now I'm kind of running these reports on my desktop but I want to get them onto a server so somebody can, re can run the report whenever they need to and that those are my next step. My next steps is turning it into more of me hands off as possible. Awesome. Thanks Tessa. All right, so we're going to uh, switch gears just a little bit and uh, reintroduce Liz Weber uh, at SuperValue. So Liz, talk to us a little bit about your analytics project that you want to tell us about today. Yeah, sure. Um, well, so like Matt said, I'm Liz Weber. I am currently a finance director at SuperValue. Um, I oversee uh, FP&A and Business Insights team. But when Matt asked me to come and do this presentation today, I thought through all the different data projects I've done throughout my career and insights projects that I've done throughout my career and thought hard about what do I want to talk about today. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to go back to um, uh, an example of one of the projects that I did earlier on in my career just because it's had such an impact throughout my career. So, um, so I'm going to go bring you all back to 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, to a project that I did um, while I was on a pricey team at a retailer in the area. Um, so this was uh, a team that was about a year into a major transformation. Um, the, with this transformation, they had significant investments um, from a headcount standpoint and systems standpoint. So with all big investments, there's an expectation that you deliver on financial results um, to make those financial investments worth it. So the leader that was overseeing this major transformation needed a dashboard that pulled together all of the um, functions of pricing and the results that they were driving. So at that point in time, I was a um, pricing expert over um, clearance markdown, so was working closely with merchandising vice presidents and determining um, clearance pricing strategies and how to execute those strategies. So uh, was not doing holistic pricing, but was starting to um, communicate that I wanted a bigger project. I was about a year in position. I was ready to take on more responsibility. So um, the leader of the pricing team selected me to help her create this dashboard. Uh, so the first thing that I did is sat down with her to understand what are her goals and what does she actually need to um, what are the stories that she needs to tell? So first of all, her main goal was to um, drive accountability in her organization. Um, I've worked with this leader multiple times throughout my career and she is just uh, integrity to the core. Um, so within that, she really drives for results and accountability on her team. So with this accountability, she wanted to understand of the core metrics that were important for um, showing the uh, profitability to the bottom line how were they doing um, from each one of the teams? So what were they doing well at? What could they then um, exploit from doing well? What were they not doing so well at? And how could they address those um, issues as quickly as possible? Her second main goal was to also communicate out to the merchandising leadership team and the executive leadership team at the organization 
how her team was performing so that she could show that this was a good investment to the organization. So after sitting down with her and understanding her requirements, I then reached out to some of the VP merchandise um, uh, uh, leaders that I was working with more or less from a mentor standpoint to get their thoughts um, as I was approaching this project. What did they think would set me up for success within this? So quickly put together um, a communications plan as to how would I take everybody along as I started um, on this track of building out this dashboard. Uh, um, met with the direct reports of my leader as well so that I could understand their needs within this. And then met with the right data people because I did not have the technical skills at that time to be able to build this out. So brought together a few really important partners um, from our data um, analyst team to help me uh, learn what I needed to learn and then realize what I was not going to be good at and that I needed them to help me out with as well. Um, so from that, built out a prototype, uh, brought it back to the leadership team to get their feedback, iterated, because everybody always has some feedback as to how to do things better, um, created uh, the prototype that got their feedback um, and then brought it to production. So as we brought that to production, realized that you can't just launch it. <laughs> that you also need to think through the communications, the training, um, and then the support plan to make sure that as the business um, evolves, that this doesn't die immediately. Um, so uh, took the time to do that. Um, and then the main results of this were when this went live, we actually had great adoption. This was built into our business review process within um, the pricing team, and then also for my leader as she was going out to um, the executive leadership team and the merchandising leadership team as well. Um, luckily, uh, because she was so focused on results and accountability and addressing issues, um, the team was really driving phenomenal results, um, allowing her to showcase what we were doing, um, and maintain the um, level of investment that she was getting from the organization. So all in all, it was a great win for the team. For me personally, um, this uh, first of all showcased that I was able to lead a larger scope project, um, started to build a reputation as a data and insights leader um, through this dashboard and through the stories that we were telling from this dashboard. Um, and uh, ultimately resulted in a promotion. So I was promoted to a pricing um, expert from that, or a pricing leader from that role. And then um, also uh, support to move into non-traditional roles within the organization from a pricing standpoint. So I went from a pricing leader to a buyer soon after as well. So um, it was just uh, a phenomenal learning experience. And then. The other big thing that I got out of this is the relationships that I built. So I built an incredibly strong relationship with that leader of the pricing organization and the um, merchandising VPs that I used as mentors through creating this. Um, and those relationships have time and time again throughout my career come into play as incredibly helpful. Um, five years after this project, I worked on another significant um, project for the organization. And a lot of these exact same leaders were part of that project. It was so nice being able to speak their language, um, know how to work with them, and much more effectively um, turn around future insights for them as well. So it's almost like, you know, it sounds like your, your leader was super strategic and almost so, so one of the things some people talk about, like Amazon, you know, talk about companies that we sort of admire, 
and, and not that you're working with Amazon, but I think it's almost like you're starting with sort of what's the success story you want in the end and working back, right? So a very strategic way where you're you're thinking about how that communication strategy and all the other things that sort of go about it. You're almost sort of starting from, okay, this is the business problem, this is the, the story we want to tell, so how are we gonna most effectively get um, to that path and, and really working back, is that? Would that be fair to say how? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I will say um, the leader that I was working with, like not only oozes integrity, <laughs> but oozes strategy. Um, she's one who can really understand what are the big problems that are happening in an organization. How do you address those problems um, with a meaningful um, <coughs> approach that and a long-term strategy to actually turn that business around and um, give the results that um, that she would believe that you could. And time and time again, I've seen her deliver on these huge impactful results because she has that strategic approach to her business. So anytime though these uh, you know big projects, big efforts happen, there, there, there tends to be in these big organizations still some impediments and roadblocks and whether it's a certain department or a certain you know leader that's, you know, did you run into any of that in that organization? And if so, how did you handle? And maybe it's a different case where that might have happened. Yeah, um, you know, nothing's ever easy, um, and always when you look at some things 10 years later, you're always like, oh man, that was all like rosy and, and great. Um, but yeah, but I know that there were times where I would bring the dashboard or the prototype to leaders, and they would say, well, I want to hear this story, but that was maybe not the right story for the holistic dashboard, that maybe it was a good story for that specific team. So it was really starting to think through, how do I make sure that we keep the integrity of this dashboard right for the holistic audience while still meeting the needs of those individuals um, so that they could still get the insights that were important to them. Yeah, so personalizing that story out, excellent. Yes. Cool. So you clearly have a strong message around taking partners, uh, especially leader partners. Um, talk about like what would have happened if you hadn't taken partners and, and simply just dug into the data and started to try to find insights on your own and then bring them up to the to the surface? Uh, I think I would have had no audience, <laughs> really, at the end of the day. Um, I, I've seen it time and time again where you can create something incredibly interesting, um, but if you don't have anybody who's asking that question or somebody who wants to hear the real story, um, you're going to go on to deaf ears. Um, and so that's where uh, like one of the most important um, key uh, aspects of this story was that I had a leader who was really interested in the real results, good or bad, she was going to address it. <laughs> and so when you have leaders like that, you know that you've got an audience that's going to listen to any story that you share. So what happens when uh, analysts listening on podcast or out in the audience today don't have an amazing, dynamic, strategic leader? Um, we hope that we're all working for, for great leaders, but what happens um, in those kinds of situations? What would be your advice to someone? That becomes challenging. Um, then it really comes down to uh, understand what your leader is trying to accomplish. And this really comes down to the requirements. Um, understand what are the stories that are important for them to tell, what is going to resonate with them. Um, anytime that you can figure out what resonates with somebody, then that's where you start speaking their language um, and they'll start listening to the stories that you have to tell. Um, but it really does start with listen to what do they need, what are their goals, um, and deliver on that. Yeah, Dave and I, it, in. Uh, 
beyond the data, we talk a lot about problem framing and how important problem framing is at the beginning uh, of a project, before you ever touch the data, before you ever uh, talk to one of your data scientists or whatever it is, uh, is really making sure that you understand what the problem is that you're trying to solve before you go and try to solve it. Yes, and if you find a really interesting problem along the way, don't stop yourself from going and solving that problem, but don't forget about the first problem that you were solving either. So deliver two stories and hopefully they'll want to hear them both at that point. Yeah. And I think the other point that you had brought up, Tessa, was, was that vocabulary and really having that joint vocabulary with you, whether you're working with legal or whether you're working with technology or whomever is like, you know, the more the common framework around what people are intending because they're so easy to lose with emails and like, conference calls that have, you know, 30 people on it, you know. So I think, you know, having that common vocabulary is also another way to help minimize that. Yeah, that I'd add too to how to speak to leaders who maybe don't really work with data or not, didn't have a background in data, because my team, we don't have a lot of data analysts on my team. Um, we have a few, but they have their own projects, and that's why I acquired the skills that I did. But something that helped me as I was trying to communicate best practices of data and the technical skills of data and why it's so important to keep things consistent, et cetera, was finding the community outside of my work, that data analytics community, that helped reaffirm that what I'm doing and what I'm saying is, is correct and be confident in it, even though my whole team I'm, I'm continuously pushing and selling and teaching at the same time, but I have this group of people that I meet at conferences and um, other things that help reinforce that what I'm doing is right, so I can come into work with that confidence when I talk to my leaders. And maybe following up on that is what, what things have you found out there that you really like that you'd recommend either to our audience or to our listeners that you say you should, they should check out? And of course there's things that are, you know, local market's going to vary, but uh, you know, what things did, how did you go about that and what, what do you recommend? Yeah, I think the Twin Cities Minneapolis area has a great data analytics community. Um, the mini analytics that, that you have, Dave, is great. That was a great um, event, the, the Altrix community. The, which, if you want more information about <laughs> it. It's okay, you can sell it. I happen bit. to be a user group leader. There's also the Tableau community. And I think no matter what software people are using, everyone still speaks that same underlying data language that everyone can agree data is important and we want to be in, in, have integrity around it, how we communicate it. Because it's, it's also very, it can convey very powerful messages. And if you're not careful, it could convey a message the wrong way. So being able to speak to those things with the data community, a data literate community, is very was very helpful for me in my career. How about you, Liz? What other what sources do you, as you developed over the years, uh, that you recommend people think well, about? As mentioned, I've loved this mini analytics community. This has been uh, just so much fun to be um, able to come to all these presentations for the past few years and be able to learn and develop with a larger community. Um, the Tableau user group has also been really uh, an interesting way. But one of the biggest things that you can do is, um, once you get to a leadership role, is to develop the right team, hire the right talent, and surround yourself with brilliant people every day that you can bring together to do great things. So um, I can say, like, having worked with this guy, Matt Jesser, over here, um, has been incredibly helpful for my own personal development. Um, a lot of uh, the team that he brought together is sitting front and center, um, and they have been an absolute um, 
joy to work with and also they've brought so many insights to the organization um, that it's just been fantastic to see how quickly when you bring in the right talent and you um, really unleash their ability to work together and try new things, um, you can do so many cool things and learn together. So I think the best way to learn is to do, um, and the best way to do is to surround yourself with brilliant people and figure it out together. Excellent. Well, maybe there's time, do you think, Matt, to maybe ask if there's any audience questions? We have about seven or eight minutes left. Um, so. Any audience questions that people want to be brave? I'll bring a mic up to you and all that good stuff. Anyone? Uh, I have a question for you guys. Here we are. Tess, when you were talking about um, kind of the data cleanup, the messy data, how critical is it to have the leadership support in place to enforce the processes that are necessary to have data integrity and to have clean data? If you could speak to that and you know how that influenced your project and the challenges you may have faced in getting to that point where you could rely upon the data that you were working with? I think that's crucial. Um, I was very fortunate because my, even though my leaders didn't really know how to make sense out of the data, they knew there was something there that was important. And they were also pitching to others that we are going to have more data-driven decisions. We're going to make, dis um, continuously advocating for the importance of this data and regardless of what it's telling us, it's, it's important that we take it at face value. Um, and that's kind of echoing what Liz was saying too, is that you can, having leadership that supports that initiative of, there's no embellishing these numbers. It, it, you know, keep it raw, keep it honest, keep it, keep it integrity. Um, is so critical for how I was able to work comfortably with the numbers and know that I'm just focusing on doing best practices and communicating truly honestly what the story, what the message is here, rather than having to think about, oh no, is am I going to be in the hot seat when I show these numbers, or is my leader going to be feel pressured or in the hot seat, or is my team going to feel uncomfortable with what I show them, but having that leadership support of, it doesn't matter. This, we're, we're getting insights. We're here to get insights. And if there's a problem, we need to solve it sooner than later. It was crucial. So maybe um, to end things today, maybe ask uh, what one or two things of advice would you have, either to the business side uh, folks that are coming from that perspective or from more the technical side? And just tell which side that is, that advice, and uh, someone newer in their career and uh, to be more successful with using data. Yeah, sure. I can start with that one. Um, I know I was even talking to a professor of Augsburg yesterday, and he was asking a very similar question. Um, what should he be teaching his um, more the math and technical side um, students as they're entering the workforce, and what could set them up for success? And from a technical side, I would say take some time to understand the business processes that fuel the data. Um, it can be so. Um, altering in your perspective if you understand what is fueling that data and that can also help you tell those stories so much better. So even earlier on in your career, take a role in operations at some point just to learn <laughs> what goes into the systems and processes that fuel that data and the stories that those leaders <coughs> want to hear. Um, but at the same time, don't fall like don't let your technical skills fall apart because my God, for somebody like me, I love these technical skills that I can 
kind of leech off of um, <laughs> these amazing data analysts leverage that I for success oh for leverage everyone? yeah yeah that's what I meant uh, <laughs> leverage for success uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> from all these brilliant minds that are around and um, so many people have so many different technical skills and abilities that if you can figure out how to leverage these different technical skills and abilities as um, from a business standpoint that will set you up for success but go in fearlessly knowing that you're not going to be the smartest one at the table um, but you need to figure out how to um, pull out the right insights from those smart people that are on the table that are maybe even speaking a completely different language than you. How about you Tessa, what is your thoughts? I completely agree with everything you just said Liz um, and to add to that um, I would say to somebody who's not technical right now but wants to get into the analytics field more, it was it was a, almost a blessing in my career that I didn't have those technical skills before I jumped in to the, the analytics component because it forced me to really think about things conceptually before I tried to fit in where I would put those technical pieces. And something to always remember, or I always continuously remind myself now that I have built more technical skills is the technology comes second but the problem and the concept comes first so I'm not working to to fuel my technical skills my technical skills are working to fuel the business problems and that that was really great for me and I think um, having that paper and that pen that I originally brought out before I knew how to use or what software to use uh, helped really drive this more sustainable process that I have now. So I always, when I have a problem, I always say, okay, don't think about what tools I'm going to bring in to configure in order to solve this. I think about really just in layman's terms, what is going on? How are we going to solve it? Who cares? And so what? And then bring in the technical stuff after the fact. The Data Able Podcast is produced by Dave Mathias and Matt Jesser and made possible by Beyond the Data. At Beyond the Data, we are on a mission to help high-performing individuals successfully become champions for a more data-driven approach in their organizations. We believe that data science is only part of the equation. Getting value out of data requires building a culture that starts with you, is supported by executives, and trickles down to every facet of your organization. You can learn more about Beyond the Data and our approach at gobeyondthedata.com.